Logan Lucky is one of those films that came and went with no fanfare. And I take offense to that. So today, I'm here to make a case. Try to convince you that you absolutely, positively should watch Logan Lucky. Released in 2017, directed by Steven Soderbergh of Ocean's Eleven fame, Logan Lucky features an ensemble cast featuring Adam Driver, Seth MacFarlane, Riley Q, Katie Holmes, Daniel Craig, and of course, the world's greatest actor, Janet Tatum. That last one is a joke, as his reputation precedes him. Despite this, I think he does a fine job in this movie. And just because an actor doesn't have range doesn't make a bad actor. I can go off on a tangent about this, and maybe I will at some other point. But for now, let's leave it at that. This movie is about regular Joes. People who work at 9 to 5 who decide to do something else. Who decide to do something different. And we don't get enough of these kind of movies now. Most movies that come out feature a hero or a heroine that's exceptional in some way or another. The protagonists are usually gifted or they're born into a social status that most of us will never see. I'm not asking for representation in the way many people ask for it. I could care less where a character comes from or the color of their skin. They don't have to look like me for me to properly connect with them. A good story will make you care for them in the most organic way possible. What I mean by regular Joe is exactly that. I love stories that feature characters like that. Men and women who are just down on their luck and decide to break the mold, take a chance, and change their lives for the better. When I was younger, one of my favorite movies to watch every once in a while is a 90s cult classic, Men at Work, starring Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen. Okay, so maybe, maybe it's not a cult classic in the likes of The Thing or Office Space or whatever. In fact, I don't think anyone really remembers that. I loved how simple it was. How the story was about these two sanitation workers who find a dead politician on their route and accidentally get involved in crooked politics. The fact that they rode around in a garbage truck all day with Keith David, that didn't hurt either. I think that was kind of cool. At that age, I didn't think I was going to grow up and end up getting a similar job. And looking back at it, that movie gets it right for the most part. Most jobs like that, well, for a lack of a better word, those jobs aren't great. <laughs> they become mechanical. And you just end up looking for any little thing to distract you from the fact. My job's not exactly boring, but some days definitely seem longer than others. I mentioned Office Space earlier, and I gotta say, I only saw that movie a few years back. I didn't grow up with it. But it's quickly become one of my favorite movies. Again, because of how the story's structured. It's not hard to follow, and the characters are easy to root for, because there's nothing really special about them. We just happen to follow them close enough that they grow on the audience. 
I guess it can't hurt that it's one of the best comedies of the last 40 years. Speaking of comedies, one of the more zany movies that sticks to this whole regular Joe bit is uh, Dodgeball. Technically, it is about a bunch of regular Joes who frequent a gym. I think even the name of the gym is something to that effect. So their gym is going to be bought out by this huge conglomerate owned by Ben Stiller. And that's why they end up playing dodgeball. The reason why this movie doesn't seem to match the others is because of how hilarious Ben Stiller is in this movie. But it does fit, you know. Not enough people talk about dodgeball in that way. And, and that's a shame. But a lot of people are watching it nowadays. Let's just leave dodgeball for an, another day. That's another topic. Let's just let's get back to Logan Lucky. Seeing as how it's technically a heist movie, it's not right to go about it like how I usually go about doing these movie reviews. You can call them that. So we'll do the following. Instead, I'm going to talk about some of the smaller details that fill out the movie and make it a must-watch if you haven't seen it. And if it's been a while, watch it again. I guarantee that your appreciation for it will grow. Watch and rewatch, my friends. It's the only way to really savor the little details. First and foremost, let's talk about Jimmy Logan. Jimmy's played by Chan Tatum, so he's the protagonist. And right away, we see just what kind of guy he is and what his priorities are in life. There's so many unspoken emotions in that first scene. And if you've seen the movie, you know what, I, you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you who haven't seen the movie, it's a shot of Jimmy fixing his truck and telling his daughter a story as to why Country Roads is his favorite song. And right away, you can tell that they're extremely close. I don't know if the story he tells is true or not, but it's a nice story, just the same. And it's delivered in expert fashion Tatum. Sadie is his daughter's name. She's as cute as a button, as well she should be. She's got her own hopes and dreams. And you know, that's something we didn't really need to know. But we get to know her. We get to see what she wants. And it gives her another level of development that wasn't necessary because again it's a heist movie but it is welcome and it meshes with who she is and who jimmy is like i said jimmy's a regular joe nothing overly special about him now but there was once before he was a father before he worked in the mines he was jimmy logan quarterback he was Dating the homecoming queen, he was destined for greatness, destined to rise above the masses, and then he got hurt. And we see a lot of that in this movie. A movie about a heist, we get this journey of a man still trying to find his way, trying to right his wrongs, and he thinks he knows how. When he goes to pick up Sadie, we see he's divorced, and that his ex-wife has remarried. And again... A lot is said with few words. The split was amiable to the point where he has visitation rights. And there's no malice between the adults. Moody, who is his ex-wife's new husband, new man. Moody seems like a genuine good guy. He's got a family of his own. He understands that there's history between Bobby Joe and Jimmy. And it's a very pleasant scene overall. Because 
they could have easily gotten the way that a lot of the movies go to where there's a fight, there's this tension between uh, the ex-couple and the new couple, and none of that happens in this movie. Again, it's a very pleasant scene, something different. Even if we see that Bobby Joe is moving and Jimmy won't be able to visit Sadie as much, it's still a really good scene. Okay, so here's something that's kind of weird. I can't take Seth MacFarlane seriously in anything. And this movie is no exception. I can't take Seth MacFarlane seriously in anything. I said that already? Yeah. This movie is no exception. He carries out his role rather well as the obnoxious millionaire who makes fun of Clyde. It's in this introductory scene to Clyde that we first hear about the Logan family curse and the string of bad luck that they've been having. Clyde even blames the curse as the reason why he lost his arm while he was in Iraq. When Jimmy and Clyde wake up the next day, we see Jimmy present his plan to his younger brother. It's well thought out. The presentation is done expertly in what I can only describe as Ocean's fashion, which, again, should be surprising. The dialogue's well done. The dynamic's already well established. It's organic, realistic, entertaining, and that's really all I'm going to say about that. I'm talking about, like, the overall brushes to the scene. I'm leaving out the little details because, again, if you haven't seen this movie before, go check it out. It didn't really make a lot of noise. And if you saw the movie and you don't really remember it too well, revisit it. Watch it again. I guarantee that you really enjoy all the work and effort that went into it to make this movie as good as it is. And I don't know why that watch is going off. It's four minutes to the hour. That watch must be running fast. Am I going to erase that? Probably not. Uh, let's talk about Joe Bang. Joe Bang is played by the very versatile Daniel Craig. Joe Bang is our veteran thief, and he's the safe cracker, and he's in jail. Yeah, he's currently incarcerated. And when the Logan brothers visit him, he tells them, hey, I'm not doing any more jobs. I'm sitting on a nice little nest egg that he saved up for himself. Or so he thinks. And it takes this single visit from the Logan boys to realize that now he has to go back to work. And let's talk about him a little bit later. One of my absolute favorite scenes. And I should really mention it later. I should talk about this later, but I can't help it. I want to talk about it now. Is when we see the rest of the Bangs. Um, uh, Joe Bangs' two brothers. They are on the outside. They have moved on from their life of crime. <laughs> Unless they have a moral reason to do so. Um. You know this scene. If you've seen the movie, that's a great scene. Clyde's little story about Melly is brilliant. If it was ad-libbed, it's even better. Because their reactions to it all, it, they just make the scene. Seriously, just, just go watch the movie. Uh, when it's time for race day, like all other heist movies worth their weight in gold. All the moving pieces, they start to come together. Again, done extremely well. We see the small set, uh, set, the small set pieces scenes start payoff and i love when movies do this when we get a proper payoff for all the setup it's like the director is trusting that his audience was paying attention so he rewards them with satisfying conclusions to the story and that shouldn't be like something that uh 
is the exception. That really should be the norm. But it isn't nowadays. A lot of the times we see storylines that have branching storylines and then nothing really happens. The movie just kind of goes on and they're left off as questions. And again, sometimes uh, good questions. Good questions should be left unanswered. But sometimes you get the bad questions and more on that later. Of course, the plan doesn't really go off without a hitch. You see it clearly happen. And then you're like, man, I wonder if the Logan family curse thing is a real thing. The only way to find out is to watch the movie. It would be a real big disservice. It would suck if I told you. I'm not going to tell you. Go watch it. The pageant scene at the end of the movie, that's also nice. We see Sadie's gesture reach her audience. It, it becomes a very nice scene at the end of it all. Jimmy's presence is also like kind of like the closing of his arc um because as an audience as the audience we've always known where his priorities lie but now the rest of the characters in the story know it it's good character development even if the movie doesn't have a lot of that it does have some of that and then finally at the end of it all we see that things have changed but also not really he's still looking to spend time with Sadie he's still looking to uh do right by her so so far this whole thing's been pretty spoiler free I mean sure I've talked about a few scenes that take place in the movie but you know you don't really have any context and when you don't have context to scenes it's like when you watch a trailer and the trailer that always comes to mind is the inception trailer if you look that up now you look it up you watch it if you've seen Inception, then yeah, everything makes sense. All the scenes, you know where they go, you know how relevant they are, everything. But I remember when I first watched that trailer, I was like, okay, this is a really good trailer because it shows you things and it shows you nothing. And I know I went on a little tangent about the trailer, but in that same regard, I talked about a whole bunch of different scenes that I like, that I've enjoyed. And if you saw the movie already, then you're also going to like, if you haven't seen the movie, maybe it piques your interest. Maybe you're like, oh man, that, that, that sounds interesting. I want to watch that. So let's talk about something. I'm moving on. Let's talk about something that I always enjoy when it comes to storytelling. And that's character development. Yay. I already did some of that, but let's go into more detail. Let's start with Jimmy Logan. Jimmy Logan was going to be the next big thing. A force when it came to football. He was set to make it to the big leagues or whatever they call it in the NFL. He was going to have a lucrative contract with the NFL. His life would have probably followed the script we've seen play out with other exceptional athletes. High school, college, all on a scholarship, all while playing football. Maybe he finishes his college, he gets a degree, he gets drafted, plays early. If his health holds up, he, it would have been a stellar career. Lucrative contract, all the accolades that come with it. I don't know if he could have become a great player, but as we can see, all those dreams, all those desires, all of this doesn't happen. Jimmy Logan got hurt. And with a career-ending injury and all his dreams, all that stuff I just said, all that went up in smoke. No, no contracts, no money, no, no fame. We don't know why he could make it work out with Bobby Joe. Did it have to do with his injury? 
the movie doesn't say. And we really can't say either. By the time our story starts, it seems like they've been separated for a while. And Jimmy's not that guy anymore. He's just a regular Joe trying to make ends meet. And he wants to be in his daughter's life as much as possible. And we see that he struggles with this. He misses his daughter's practice for a pageant. And when he's confronted about it by Bobby Joe, he states that he knew it was at four in the afternoon, but he thought it was tomorrow. Day. We know he means well, but at this moment, he struggles. He's, uh, but at this moment, he's struggling with making this a priority in his life. It's only when, due to his injury, he's laid off from his construction job uh, that he begins to see things a little different. We don't ever see a real reason to rob the Speedway other than he can. I always felt like this was a missed opportunity on the story's part, but it keeps the movie simple. So I can overlook it. They could have easily written Jimmy as a man stuck in the past, trying to revisit his glory days, but that's not what we get. Instead, he's doing the best he can with what he has on hand. And he goes on to rely on Clyde, Melly, and Joe Bang to pull off his heist. He runs into Sylvia, and Sylvia is a doctor. She's running a mobile clinic. She's helping folks out, can't make it to the doctor's office. And I like how they subtly, very subtly set up a romantic subplot between the two of them. Even if the movie doesn't really develop this later on, it's still nice to see. And we get to see that he takes care of all the people that he interacts with, further cementing the notion that Jimmy, Jimmy's a good guy. He makes it to his daughter's beauty pageant just in time to see Sadie sing Country Roads, her daddy's favorite. At the end, he's moved on, and he lives close enough to Sadie so that he can visit her. His relation with Bobby Joe has also gotten better, to the point where she's okay with him keeping Sadie just a little bit longer than usual. His character arc is the highlight of the movie, and while it's not groundbreaking, it still makes for an endearing story that grabs our attention, and that's good enough for me. Also, I hate to do this because I'm really into it, but if y'all hear the truck, well, that's just a truck. I'm doing the best I can with what I have on hand, and, well, it's a truck. You heard it, you know, it went on. Let's just keep going. Jimmy's efforts have not gone unseen. Again, his relationship with Bobby Joe has improved to the point where she trusts that he values his time with Sadie. She's willing to be lenient with the time he spends with her. And at the end of the movie, we also see him grab a drink with an old friend from high school. Well, I think they're more than friends by that point. And I like to think, again, it was a nice touch. And we see something that I like. We see that his life is also moving on. Jimmy Logan is a well-written character, and that's hard to do in a two-hour time period. He's the most well-rounded character, and a lot of that comes from his interactions with Clyde. Clyde Logan is the local bartender at the duct tape, a bar off the local highway. It's a decent place. It's well lit, often visited by the locals and those just passing through. Clyde's a veteran. He served the tours in Iraq. As Jimmy puts it, Clyde stepped forward while others were stepping back. I don't know why I did that accent. Uh, 
I'm sorry. And at the end of it all, as he was going home, his vehicle suffered an IED attack. As a result of it, Clyde lost his hand and a good part of his arm. Though so he wears a prosthetic, and despite his limitations, he's a good bartender. We see this when he serves. Uh, we see this when he ser serves. Serves. Can't talk. When he serves, said my father, a drink. I wonder if Adam Driver actually learned to duel with this one hand. It wouldn't surprise me. We don't get a lot of details as to what his life was like before he joined the armed force. However, I think it's safe to say that Clyde Logan is just a little bit superstitious. Clyde strongly believes in the Logan family curse. As he talks to Jimmy, he rattles on a long list of people in their family who were suddenly stricken with the curse. It's after Jimmy walks away from the bar that we see the two of them get together and go over Jimmy's plan. Clyde is surprisingly willing to go along with Jimmy's plan, and so by the second act he finds himself incarcerated in the same prison that currently holds Joe Bang. All part of the plan. If there's anything that stands out about Clyde, it's his relationship with Jimmy. Jimmy's passion and against have landed Clyde in trouble with the law, and as such, at the beginning, he wants no part in his brother's crazy cauliflower plans. One of the things that escapes me is why he decides to forego their history and help out Jimmy. It can't be that Jimmy's trying to be organized, or the fact that Jimmy cooked Clyde's favorite breakfast. Could it be that he wants to help him out so that he can have a better life for him and his daughter? The movie never says, but I like to think that was one of the main reasons. I guess uh, the money didn't hurt either, and Jimmy's gift to Clyde at the end, that's a pretty good brotherly gesture. I love that little touch. I really wish that Clyde was better developed. He's a good supportive character, and he's essential to the overall success of the plan. His interactions with Jimmy are top-notch, but he's written to be exactly that. As an individual, as a person, I can't really say he's well-developed. The framework is there, and Adam Driver does a phenomenal job with the script he's given. Clyde has some of the best lines in the movie, and I have no doubt had the story focused on him a little bit more, he would have really shined. He doesn't, and I guess sometimes that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes. His development is on par with Melly's, so let's talk a little bit about her. Melly Logan is a local hairdresser. She works relatively close to where Clyde, Jimmy, and Bobby Joe live, and she has a good relationship with her niece. Melly is helping her get ready for her pageant, Sadie's pageant, and is somewhat of a savant when it comes to machines. She loves to drive, describing her route in great detail, a monologue that does a lot to establish her character. Melly is a lot more than what she lets on. Melly is highly intelligent, so one wonders why she works as a hairdresser in what appears to be a small town in West Virginia. Her contributions to the overall success of Jimmy's plan cannot go unsaid. Nothing she does is grand. If Jimmy's all about the grand idea, it's Melly who brings about all the little details. She's the one that makes the big pieces work, and without her, none of it really comes together. 
I really wish I could say more, but I don't want so many spoilers. I really want you guys to go watch this movie. Melly's history is something of a mystery. And while we know that Jimmy was going to be a football star and Clyde served in the armed forces, Melly's backstory is non-existent. And this is a shame. I would have loved to have seen more of her, or at least hear more of her past exploits. Just like Clyde, we don't explicitly see Jimmy convince Melly to run this heist with him. She seemingly just goes along with it, for the most part. Her attention to details does come in play in a few scenes. First, we see her question Jimmy about the grand ideas of his plan. And again, we, we see her voice her doubts when the situation forces them to make drastic changes to their original plan. And despite all this, she makes it work. What little we get of Melly is fantastic. Riley Cube steals every scene she's in. And it's a shame we get so little of her in this movie, just like Clyde. I have no doubt her character could have been better fleshed out had we simply had time. Instead, she serves as a means to an end. We don't see her go from point A to point B. She doesn't have a personal story. She doesn't undergo any major changes as the movie goes along. And again, it's probably due to time. Thinking about it, it just makes me a little bit sad. At the end of the movie, she grabs a drink with Joe Bang. So let's talk about Joe Bang. Joe Bang, as the name suggests, is our ringer. By the time we meet Joe Bang, he's already well established. Having performed a variety of small and large jobs around the air. It seems that the last job was one too many, as he's serving the last six months of his current jail sentence in a prison that's close enough to where the Logans operate. His fame is well deserved, and it's in this prison where the Logans recruit him for a day job, knowing full well that the job is well in reach of his past abilities. Joe Bang is played by Daniel Craig, and you can tell. He has so much fun playing a character that's unlike anything he has done before since. There's no swab, no suit, no quippy one-liners. Instead, we have a blonde, heavily tattooed, oddly charismatic character that rounds out our crew of misfit thieves. He refuses the Logans at first, fully confident that his nest egg from past exploits is well protected and waiting for him when he gets out. Or so he thinks. We don't really have any personal details about Joe Bang. We know he's all about family, as he involves his two brothers in the heist. We know that he's intelligent. This can easily be seen by how he goes about preparing his bomb. We know he's a bit of a ladies' man, because his old lady ran off on him, so he's single. We know he has problems with his health. His doctors have prescribed fake salt. And I love the little monologue that goes along with that. It's a bit sad that we know more about Joe Bang and his past than we know about Melly, but it is what it is. Joe Bang doesn't have to be complex, doesn't have to be likable, but he is. He's the only one who's not fully involved in the plan, and that pays off extremely well in the movie. His arc coming to an end rather well. So, why did I like this movie? Well, there's a couple reasons. Let's just list them off as quickly as possible. Uh, Jimmy works in construction. He's just a regular Joe, just trying to get by. And I already said that, but I'm saying it again. I love stories that feature just a regular Joe. 
Riley Kugue's amazing. She steals every scene she's in. I already said that. And I'm saying it again. Riley Q. Check her out. <laughs> There's a line in the movie where like people say that. <laughs> I love that line. Even just thinking about it now brings a smile on my face. It makes me laugh. I love that line. The way it's delivered in the movie. Again, no context. When you hear it, you see the full context. I'm pretty sure you'll love it too. Uh, not love it too. Love it too. I'm not erasing that. That stays in. Sebastian Stan is in this movie. <laughs> I totally forgot to mention him. But yeah, Sebastian Stan is a nice addition to the cast. Even though he comes in in the last act of the movie. And then you get this weird thing where Seth MacFarlane makes him drink an energy drink. And this pays off. Just watch it. It's great. Uh, the Fed show up. And then Hilary Swank is in there for 30 minutes. And... Didn't she win an Oscar or came close to winning an Oscar? But then she's only in this thing for 30 minutes? I think that's great. I love it when movies do that. Seth MacFarlane spills the beans, says he saw the robbers. And then he's like, hey, Sebastian, can you tell him that happened? And he's like, what? <laughs> it doesn't go down that way. But I love that scene. I really like that, um, that whole sequence. Um, payoffs. Again, you know, setups and payoffs. What does it make me feel? I like asking this question. It's a good question to ask about anything that you watch. Because if you devote any kind of time to something, to a story, to an idea, and there's no kind of emotional response from the audience, from you, then you know in part that that story it kind of failed. There has to be something. It has to connect you somehow. And so asking that question is a good way to find out whether a movie was good or bad. So what does it make me feel? There's nothing overall special about this movie, you know? And sometimes that's not a bad thing. It becomes a measure of how well your characters are written and the kind of mood they establish for the rest of the story. I've said it a few times already. I like simplicity. Jimmy and Clyde. Seem like the kind of guys I would love to get a drink with, talk sports, just hang out. That bar didn't look too bad. I can definitely see why they wanted to get out of that town when they was younger. It doesn't look like there's a lot of opportunities coming their way. Still, people get by. And I love that feeling that's conveyed in this movie. It makes for a very interesting watch. I kind of wanted more Melly. I'm pretty sure you guys guessed that by now. Uh, I feel a little sad that we didn't see a lot of character development on her part. I know I already said something like this. I just can't get over how much of a missed opportunity it was. But it is what it is. The end is kind of open-ended. I kind of like the irony of it all. It's like, you guys think you got away, but eh, did you really get away? It's a good detail. I'm not going to really talk about it. I don't want to talk about the ending at all. But again, the ending, really, really good detail. Uh, I feel like I feel like I missed some something big. I can't really place it, but if you guys let me know, uh, just let me know. Maybe maybe you guys caught something that I didn't catch that I didn't mention in the podcast. So would I recommend it? Well, yeah, of course I would. It's not a masterpiece. It's not gonna change your life. And once the movie's over, you're not gonna sit there thinking about it for hours on end. It's just not that kind of movie. What it is though. Like I said, it's the story of a man who had a 9 of 5, who got dealt a bad hand, 
and lost the future he thought he was going to have. And then he decides to do something about it. And the collection of characters that go along for a ride is just as interesting. The movie could have easily been about any of their lives. And that's what makes this movie. It's a simple story. And like I said before, for the gajillion of time, sometimes that's not a bad thing. In conclusion, Logan Lucky came and went. And it's a blip in the acting careers of many of these fine actors. A one and done role. And years from now, they may not even remember they started at all. And that's okay. Sometimes that happens. What is important, however, is that we saw this journey unfold and that the story was told. Once again, my friends, I am so glad you came along for the ride. I am sure our paths will cross once again. I want to thank the whole lot of you for making such a journey with me. To take time out of your day and wander with us, it means the world to us. And I hope that, at the very least, it's entertaining. If you want more, go ahead and listen to our previous episodes. All of our content is available for free. One day, in the long distant future, I may decide to record some premium content. And maybe then I'll charge for it. But that day's not coming for a while. Until then, take care of yourselves, my fellow travelers. And beware the wasteland.